Warning, this podcast should not be downloaded using government equipment, listened to during duty time, or sent to others using government equipment, because this podcast has the potential to suggest actions to be taken in support or against legislation. Do not use your government email address or government phone in contacting your lawmakers. Hello, and welcome to the AFG Young Podcast. My name is Matthew Uchecker, and I am your host. I am joined today by Brother Kendrick Roberson, the AFG National Young Committee Chairman, Sister Rosalind Austin, the National Fair Practice Affirmative Action Coordinator for District 12, and Sister Tyra McClellan, the National Women's Advisory Coordinator for District 14. And today we'll be discussing the podcast, how it came to be, the vision of the podcast, and also introduce you to the new BUG or Bridging Union Gaps Initiative. To get started, how is everyone doing? How were your holidays? Good on my end. It was great. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we have holidays were good. They were wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. that is great to hear. Yeah. All right. So um, let me give you a little bit of an introduction to the, uh, the Young Podcast. So we are going to be launching this. This is our first episode. So thank you for all being a guest. And the Young Podcast came to be after the media subcommittee for young decided that it would be good to uh, discuss topics that would be pertinent to AFG. Um, Our vision is to educate and inform listeners of real world topics and issues using personal experiences, stories, research, and engaging interviews from across all levels of the labor movement. So what do you guys think of that? It was a wonderful idea. I think that um, this is a move in the right direction, and I'm glad to see something new and innovative come out of Young and out of AFGE. Yeah, absolutely. I, right. So I'm, you know, they're really excited about this Young podcast, right? Because the way that people gain information seems to be changing a lot over time, right? Now there are folks who are going into their cars and these long commutes to work and listening to these podcasts, right? And they're, they're, uh, they're, they're, a lot of them are like these Criminal Minds podcasts, or some of them are news podcasts. I listen to a news podcast every single morning. I'm I'm driving out to uh to Malibu, and and this is I think a great way to engage our members, right? And so I'm really excited to uh to have this podcast and have these various topics discussed uh, throughout a lot of. So I listen to uh, the news on my way into work. I Bluetooth it right into my car. So having this as an alternative of something else to listen to, it's really great because a lot of times when you're on those long commutes, you really do want to have something to listen to. And since we have so many new young people coming into the federal government, this gives them another outlet outside of the normal media that they listen to. So this is a good idea. Well, I'm honored and happy to be a part of it because this is the first time I've ever been involved in a podcast. So I'm excited about how this process goes and what product is going to come out at the end because I know it's going to be fabulous. Do you do you listen to any podcasts? Tyra? No, actually, due, due to COVID, I've given up a lot of media outlets. I, I haven't looked at television in two years. Wow. Two years. Two <laughs> years. Well, because the news has been was so depressing. So uh, yeah, I think the this whole podcast thing is really interesting to me because I get to pick and choose my genre of entertainment 
and be up to date at the same time. So that's why I'm really excited about this. Oh yeah, that's, that sounds pretty cool. I'm gonna be I honest with y'all, I have never done a podcast, so this is a first for me to host and probably listen to a podcast after this as well. So, <laughs> Well, I'll tell you, it's easier to listen to a podcast a lot of times because you can continue doing things around the house. You can continue taking a walk and still get that information, listen to a conversation between two people that is giving you knowledge and understanding. So I've listened to a couple of them and it was very interesting to be able to just listen and not have to be present in the moment. So I liked them. The topic for this podcast is bug, or as it was uh, introduced earlier, bridging union gaps. So um, bridging union gaps was a, a thought, initially a thought whenever we had our face-to-face um, and hybrid meeting. And we were trying to figure out a way that uh, we could start a conversation, we could share information and we could be up to date on multiple issues. And it started out as kind of like, kind of like a joke at first, because I was just like, I mean, I, cause I work for the VA, so I don't know what's going on in SSA or DOD or BOP or any other department, whether it be the, the, the Leos or, you know, uh, the HRC. I mean, we're all in our little microcosms as you will. And this was thought of and um, we kind of just kept going with it. And as we kept going, it just, it, it felt right to do something like this. So um, it had started out as bridging the union gap, but it sounded a little wordy. So we changed it to bridging union gaps. And um, we also had a very uh, kind person also say bridging union generations because it's going to be basically the catalyst to share information and uh, the the wealth that you can get from that information. Mm-hmm. So um, with that, so um, can, uh, can you guys elaborate on the gaps that currently exist between the different generations of AFGE unionists? And what advice do you have for the next generation of labor leaders? Well, I'll whomever go first. To start. Yeah, I was going to say, okay. whomever wants to right. start. <laughs> I'll start. Well, since this is a podcast, this is Tyra, just in case you forgot. But um, I think the things that, um, for me, when you asked that question, the first thing I thought of was age, knowledge, and experience. It's one of the things that um, is part of that gap. And that's on my part. Um, having patience at this age I gained patience at this age. I didn't have it when I was younger. So I feel like one of the things I've noticed is that I love the fact that when I am with uh, members of young and y'all move around, y'all are, y'all physically move, which is a lot of energy. And I love that energy because I no longer have that energy and I'm so glad someone has it. So that's when age comes into matter. I just love the fact that y'all keep it going and keep it moving all the time. And y'all give energy. So it feeds. And then I want to get up and do something just like this podcast. Y'all's energy and emotion and roundness 
bridging the union gaps or bridge the generational gaps motivated me to do something outside of the box, which is doing this. So I thank y'all for y'all energy because of y'all's age. And I think another thing is the knowledge and the know-how of how unions work. The union experience, my experience is not your experience. And our knowledge, once we sit down and get together, we can bridge that gap, but it takes time and takes patience. And we need more opportunities to do that. And Young has given workshops, platforms, um, even the stuff that y'all do on Facebook Live, opportunities to bring us closer together to make sure that we understand each other and work together. So I'd I will say, let someone else go. No, your points are, are very well taken. I would say one of the things that concern me, um, because I do also have a role of being a union president, and I see a lot of the young members that uh, come in. And I believe a lot of it is uh, a communication on our part as uh, older union members. We need to find a way, as you say, bridge the gap. We need to find a way to take their experiences and relate them to ours and our experiences and relate it to theirs. We need to show them that we're not that different, that we're really all the same. It's just that we experience different things at different times of our life. And they need to understand that a lot of what they're going through, a lot of us have already went through. So our goal is to try to make it easier for them to pass through than it might have been for us because we were all in that learning curve and we've learned so many things. We found so many pitfalls that we're allowed to give to them. You know, um, when I speak with them, I try to relate it to what they're going through now, what was positively happening to them now, because a lot of young people don't think that, you know, oh, they're not, I can't, I'm not going to fire me. They're not going to let me go. You know, I come to work every day. I do my, but yet six months later, you're in my office with a termination letter because you don't understand what just happened to you. Right. So I think if we can communicate more doing things like this, getting down to people and talking to them at the lowest level possible, because we always assume everybody knows what we're talking about, but they don't. Um, I think we can really start bridging the gap that way. Yeah. And, and just to, to piggyback off what I was saying about that communication, right? I, I like to always point out that this union gap, this generational union gap, right, isn't new, right? This generational union gap is not new, right? We look back throughout all, all of labor history, the Bureau of Labor Statistics, right? They give us data on this. They tell us how people are unionized. They talk about the different age groups, right? Young workers have always historically been less unionized than older workers, right? And, and that's just that's just what the data tells us. And the issue with that is that every time the young workers are less unionized, the strength of the labor movement in the future suffers such that the uh, about, you know, in the year 2000, right, young workers were only unionized at about 12%, right? And so now fast forward 20 years, the labor force is around that exact amount. We're at about 12% unionized across the nation, right? Because if we don't organize young workers today, then we're gonna lose the strength of the labor force tomorrow. But there's this communication gap that Roz was talking about. Right. And, and, and we have to start making 
uh, uh, detailed efforts to bridge that gap. And that's why I'm so happy that we have the bug program that came out of Young, because if we don't do it today, we are going to lose our strength tomorrow. But I, I, I'm 100, I 100% believe, I full heartedly believe that we can change that trajectory just by having discussions like this and making sure that we're doing that intentional outreach. Well, one of the things that I picked up on, communication is key, but it works both ways because I have sat and watched in which my, I guess my generation of unionists ignored what was being said to them by the, the young unionists. And what they were saying was inventive, right, and correct. It was sometimes the older generation got stuck on what they've been doing and don't want to change. But I hear change in their voice and I see the change in their suggestions. But sometimes people don't want to take in that person under their arm and say, you know what, that made sense. That makes sense for now. It may not have made sense two years ago in the, the world we were in now, but that makes sense now. Because things are ever evolving and ever changing. So I think that communication goes back both ways. Listen to your listen to the young worker at the job. Why are you not joining the union? Do you feel that this is a temporary thing? Well, when I first got here, it was a temporary job for me too. And here I am 16 years later, still on this temporary job. So it's um <laughs> it's the conversation that, you know that what Rosalind was saying is that we do have this shared experience, but I think sometimes as a younger unionist, we poo-poo it instead of embracing the conversation. Yeah, I think another very important point and a thing that turned my particular local around is we have to show that we care. We can't just say we want to collect your dues and every now and then we'll send you a flyer or, or, you know, go to my Facebook page and look at this. We have to be actively engaged. You know, we have to show that the union is here to support us. That's what we're really supposed to be all about. Right. When, when COVID broke out, we went down and we found masks. We got thousands of masks and we went on that base and we handed out masks to all the people that were there. And, you know, they looked at us and they said, oh, you know, you guys are union. Yeah, we're union. That's our job is to take care of people. You know, I just bought COVID tests for all of my AFGE members so that they can be at home and take a private test if that's what they want to do. But we have to show action. We have to show that we're more than just collecting dues. That's when we can open that communication a lot of young people, Kenny can tell you, come down to our union office and they just sit there and they relax and they have conversations with us. And they know that they can come to us and talk to us because they see us out and about. And so as older labor members, we've got to show that we care. We got to show some action. And that's how we're on our side going to bridge that gap. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I know Ross said, I could tell you that's because. So, yeah, I'm the, I'm the chair of the National Young Committee. Uh, but my president is Roz, coincidentally enough. <laughs> so I can attest to uh, getting, I, I just got a, a mask in the mail like yesterday um, uh, that she sent out. And I was out of town for the holidays. I came back and there was a mask there uh, uh, and, and, and some information, right? And, and Roz really does uh, take care uh, of the union members. And that's, you know, I, I like to always brag on Roz for that. But it's, it's, it's really important, right? And I really like what Tyra was saying about, about having that communication that goes both ways, 
right? Because there are a lot of experiences that young folks are going through that are similar to what uh, maybe older folks had gone through. I want to say more seasoned, more seasoned folks had gone through um, in the past, right? But there are a lot of things that young folks are going through that are significantly unique to them. Mm -hmm. Right. And so if that communication is not happening, right, if if Roz and I are communicating or, you know, regularly about, hey, here's some things that people are are dealing with. Right. Then a lot of those issues don't get addressed. And if and, and you all know how it is, if you're in a union, if you're in a union and your issues aren't getting addressed, you start to consider, hey, why am I in this? I, I have real issues. And every time I bring them up, they're getting pushed to the side. Then then what's. That, what, what, what is my purpose here? These, these are the things that are impacting me, right? And so that's, I think that's a, a crucial thing that we have to remember is that, that that leadership, it has to be both ways, echoing strongly what Tyra said earlier. So to like go back a little bit, like what would be your one big piece of advice for the next generation of our labor leaders? I mean, I, I, heard, I heard a lot of great things that you guys have said, but like, if you had to focus like on one thing right now, like at this specific moment, especially in our federation, what would be that one piece of advice that you would give? Well, I have this little saying when I have my meetings, I always ask people, you know, do you have life insurance? And they say, yeah. And I say, you know, you either paying a high option or a low option. Do you have auto insurance? Yeah, you're either paying full coverage or low coverage. And then I'll ask, do you have job insurance? And, and the room will go silent. And I'll answer and I'll say, yes, you do have job insurance. It's called AFGE. That's your job insurance. Now, if you want to pay, uh, be a union member, you got the high option. But if you want to just be part of AFGE, then you're, you know, you have the, the lower rate, right? But you have job security with AFGE. That's what they're there for. We're there to make sure of that. But if you don't tap into us and, and come to us and know what your rights are, then you will get swept under the rug by the agency very fast because you won't even know when something's being done wrong to you. You know, so my advice is for us as union members to just talk more to the young, give them more information, not, you know, not the same old information, but like Kenny said, the new things that they're growing through, you know, I've had a lot of people get in trouble for having their cell phones all the time. So we need to talk to them about what's going on with your cell phone. You know, why are you on the cell phone? Understand what the reasoning is for the government. So understand that people can tap into your cell phone. You know, be more specific as to what's going on. One of the advice is that, when, I guess the most primary one is that I would like for all the young people to use all the tools in their toolbox. Um your voice is is heard, especially in our local. We listen to our young voices because it gives us a different, it gives us a different level of understanding. And it also gives me another line of support because when we talk to management and we refer back to, well, our new staff, it seems like they listen to that because they know that the old people are on their way out the door. What do I need to do to make sure that I keep and recruit my new people in this agency? That's important because they really, we bring the knowledge and experience, but they know that they bring time and attendance. 
because they know that they're going to be there and they have to be there. So we want to make sure that their voices are heard. So use every tool in your toolbox. When you have somebody who is coming to you with um, an issue or concern, my thing is, is that that's a unionist because they were enough to use their voice. Use that person. Bring them to the table and it's like, okay, come on, come with me. This is how you use your voice and make them a part of the solution instead of just solving the problem for them. So that's what my, my advice is. Yeah, yeah. And, and piggybacking off of that, I, I actually have um, a two-pronged answer to this, right? Since we're talking about uh, bridging union gaps and the gap that we're addressing right now uh, is the generational gap, right? Though for, for the younger folks, right? My main advice would be to get educated. Get educated on labor history, get educated on labor activism. I cannot express enough. I'm, I'm sorry that it's this way, but our school systems do not teach it. You have to go and do the research. You got to go do a research. You got to go do the learning yourself, right? You, you have to. And the reason that you need to do it is because there are a lot of strategies that you can implement and strategies that you can take forward that have already been proven to work, right? You don't have to start from scratch. Okay, you getting educated is the number one thing that you can do to become a great leader in the organization. And off of that, my, my, the other side of that, talking to the older generations is, hey, if we're strengthening and breathing life into young folks, they're going to want to lead. They're going to go They're They're going to go for positions. Right. And mm -hmm. if they go for a leadership position, you know, you're, all of our spots are rented. Right. We are in control of these positions while we have the support of the membership. If someone comes from your spot, don't shun them. Say, hey, encourage them to, to, to run. Right. You can still run for your spots and everything like that. But don't blackball people for 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 wanting to become leaders. Don't tell folks that, hey, you're not uh, old enough or you haven't been in the movement long enough, because a lot of folks who have lots of leadership positions right now have had those positions for like 20 years. Right. We know a lot of people who've had those positions for 20 years. And when they first ran, they were the same age as the people that they're saying haven't been in the movement long enough now. Right. And that's it, it's extremely important to to make sure that we have that we encourage that type of uh, that, that, that type of, of movement, that type of uh, uh, of engagement uh, in, in labor. Right. And, and, and I can't stress this enough. If someone were to lose their spot, right? Say, say a younger person comes in and, and they run for office and they get that position, right? Don't just shun the movement after that. Don't just leave, right? You're not therefore invaluable, right? You have years and years of experience that, it, that doesn't need to only be addressed if you are the president of your local, right? You are, you can, you are still I really want you to continue to be a part of it, even, even as an advisory role, right? Because your experiences and, and all of that juice that you've collected over the past however many years is extremely neat, right? We, we might change positions, but our mission remains the same. And that's to make sure that we're protecting workers' rights. So that's my two-pronged approach to, uh, uh, to answering what that advice would be. Well, thank you. So let's move forward, if you don't mind. Um, can you guys share your thoughts on the gaps that currently exist within the different professions of AFG? For example, uh, what affects one organization, for example, say SSA, 
commonly receives very little support from a different agency or different councils. So again, can you guys share your thoughts on the gaps that exist within the different professions that AFGE covers? Because I know you guys are all different organizations. Right. Kenny and Rosalind, you guys are Department of Defense, right? Right. And and Tyra, you are BOP, which Bureau of Prisons. No. No? No. Oh, I thought you were. I'm, I'm sorry. That's okay. I'm a law enforcement <laughs> officer, but not with the BOP. Oh, uh, okay. And I'm VA, so I mean, see, I didn't even, I thought you were BOP. I am so sorry. That's okay. But, um, so, I mean, so right there, that just shows you I didn't know a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think I think we try to do that when we have the the DEFCON or when we bring all our councils together, right? But one of the things we need to ensure is that our council members are strong members. Our council members are very knowledgeable about the uh, organizations they represent. They need to start at that level as far as sharing ideas and sharing information. Um, when you're in a council and you never hear from your council members of what's going on in your particular organization, because we are all different and we're not sharing that load. If I go to a council and I say, if I go to my DOD council and I say, hey, they're trying to do this over here, what are we doing about that? And they don't even understand or know what I'm talking about. That's a problem for me. So we need to get our councils together to where they're strong, because that's who we lean on when we have major questions. We go directly to our council members and say, hey, you know, I'm having this issue here. What do you advise? Because we want them to go out to the rest of the DOD bases and say, are you guys having the same issue? And if you are, let's join together and make this one issue and go after it, you know, as one entity instead of me down here suffering while someone else maybe doesn't even know it exists. So, I think starting with our council and making sure our council is strong and then our council coming to our presidents and making sure our presidents are strong and then our presidents being presidents and not just taking a position because it's a good place to be and maybe I got 100% or I don't have to go to work or something, but dedicated people. You know, we're expecting young people to come in and be strong and be dedicated about the union. Well, we have to be dedicated as well. Well, I I think... A lot of it is we don't have the relationships, you know, across councils or, or, or just across agencies, right? Like we don't, we don't foster those relationships as much as we definitely should, right? We are always talking about solidarity, solidarity, solidarity now, solidarity tomorrow, right? Solidarity forever. But when we only talk about those solidarity when we're in these big, or, or we only really focus on that solidarity these big events like LegCon or maybe when we're at, um, you know, maybe we're at convention or, or something like that, a human rights conference. But throughout the rest, throughout the rest of the year, oftentimes it's like, hey, if you're at the VA, you're worried about VA issues. Uh, you know, you, you if you're at the DOD, you're worried about DOD issues. If you're if you're a law enforcement, you're looking at law enforcement issues, right? And somehow we need to provide the, the, this like, like this bug program, we need to provide a space where we can say, hey, what's going on with the VA right now, right? I have a, I have a little bit of top level because of, because of my position, but I know that a lot of the folks when I directly, right, they're all, they don't know what's going on outside of their own agency, right? And, and if they don't know what's going on inside of their own agency, 
How are they supposed to fight for other people outside of their own agency? How are they supposed to make a phone call to a member of Congress when they don't really know what they're even calling about? Right? If some legislation is coming down the pipe and you're like, hey, we need to whip support, support for what? I haven't heard about this until you ask me to, to call my member of Congress. Right? And so we really have to work uh, using this bug program. We have to work on, on, on engaging each other uh, even if it's if it's like high level, just being knowledgeable of some of the, some of the issues that other agencies are facing. Okay, I like that. Well, yeah. I guess mine's is that <laughs> mine's is more of a grassroots um, type of approach. I think that one of the things we do as a disservice to each other is even when we introduce ourselves, we fail to introduce. Our, we always introduce ourselves as a local number. It means absolutely nothing. Doesn't tell me your job position. Doesn't even tell me where you work at. Because you're like, hey, how are you doing? Oh, yeah, I'm from local so-and-so and so-and-so. You're like, oh, wonderful. Um, <laughs> numbers mean nothing. I think we really need to introduce our brothers and sisters more by um, our agencies and also by our positions. Because even though maybe our titles may be a little different, we may all be clerical. We may all be law enforcement. And I think we, that's what I mean by grassroots. We need to start with saying hello different. And I think mm. that will help. Um, another thing is, is, as grassroots, is one of the things that I'm fortunate to be a part of District 14 in which our MVP has a chat room every other week in which we do. Um, anyone can come into this chat room for two hours. You can log in an office from three to five and People just come in and talk about whatever issues or concerns that's going on. And it could be job. It could be home. Um, when it was domestic violence month, we talked about domestic violence. That was something that went across. It didn't matter where you work. There are issues and concerns that go on at the grassroots level that connects us that now I have a connection with Erica because we had this discussion about domestic violence, but Erica works at um, TSA. I actually know someone at TSA now because of that connection, because of having those chats. So when um, Ledge sends one of those texts, please text or type someone, I know Erica. This, this concerns Erica because this is a TSA issue. And now I have a person, I'm personally engaged and involved, not because of AFG and the unionist part, but something that brought us together in that chat. And that's what I mean by, I think it, we should say hello differently. Because mm. it's sometimes it's not really all about the union and the work. Sometimes it's about, this is life. And those chat rooms allowed me to see that like people are at different parts in, in their lives and that brought us together. So now I can connect better with them. So when I hear their agency and when I hear something, I know someone. Mm -hmm. We got to say hello different. That's, that's a bar right there. I think we should uh, definitely write that down and, and, and put that as part of the campaign slogan. We got to say hello different. I'm from local 2429. All right, that's cool. But what is what, what, what is that? What does that mean what to me? Mean? Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah I like that. We got to say hello different. Because one of the things I had to do as union president was I had to take the time 
and uh, now that we have broad strokes really helps me, but before broad stroke, I would send out individual emails to every union member I had so that they got to know me and I got to know them. So it got to the point where they were not afraid to come down and see me. They were not afraid to communicate with me because they felt like they knew me because I addressed them by their name and who they are and where they worked at. So um, it does make a difference. Communicating with people does make a big difference and, and sharing thoughts. You know, we sent out birthday cards uh, every year to every member in our local. And I get cards back saying, thank you for my birthday card. Thank you for thinking about me. So it makes a difference when you make that connection with people outside of just being an AFG member. Yeah, we are, we're people. We are mm -hmm. we're people and we have the nerve. We have the nerve to call each other family, call each other brothers and sisters. So do we need to really start doing that, embracing those terms. And I embrace them because I'm an only child. So when Matthew and Kendrick are my brothers, they really are. Okay. When I you know, when I talk to them, I'm talking to my brothers. I want to know about them, out how they are doing. Um, mm -hmm. I want to know how my sister Rosalind is doing. I want to know how she's doing. How's the weather out there? That means a big thing because mm -hmm. other people who live out there may be having some difficulties. But now I know. So when um, something comes on the news in reference to y'all area, I need to know, oh my goodness, Rosalind and Kendrick are out there. Let me call and check on them. It's more, we are family. So that's another way of bridging our gaps is that being more family. Yeah, I like that personal aspect that you're that you're putting on it, Tyra. I, I really do. That idea that, hey, I'm not calling just to call now because you asked me to call. I'm calling on behalf of Tyra, right? I'm calling mm -hmm. on behalf of Matt, right? I, I like that a whole lot. Have that, you know, when you said say hello different. So now I know who I'm talking to and what, what, what issues I'm fighting for that are for you. I, I really like that. We got to say hello different. I'm going to be saying that all week. <laughs> All right, so uh, on to the next topic, if you guys don't mind. Um, so I, I think one of you have touched on this, and um, it goes with uh, the culture within local unions, and uh, it can sometimes be divisive. Mm -hmm. um, and can you guys share your experience and suggestions for locals who may be experiencing a little rocky road? Because I believe one of you had said something, like, Kenny, I think it was you, where you had said, like, you know, if a younger person wants to run for office, that person that they have may have won the seat from doesn't mean that that person's invaluable anymore. So, and then could you also share the benefits of women's and fair practice uh, conflict resolution program if you have any knowledge of that? Kenny, hmm. jump on in there. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So as far as the 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 rocky road part, right, and 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 keeping value, right? I think one of the primary things that we have to remember, even because, you know, elections are always contentious. Politics mm -hmm. is, con politics is, gets dirty. And when we try our best to make sure that politics doesn't get dirty, but we have all witnessed dirty politics before, right? And I think one of the biggest ways to fight against that is to remind everybody consistently that no matter who wins, our mission is the same. Yeah. Our, our mission doesn't stop being the mission because uh, Joe got replaced with Flo, right? It doesn't stop being the mission. Our mission continues. And if your fight is for the people, 
then just because you're not in that leadership position anymore shouldn't change the fact that you're still in the fight, right? And that's one of the beautiful things that I love about, uh, you know, we have a lot of, for example, we have a great retiree program and, and everything like that because we have folks who are saying, hey, yeah, I might not so much be in this leadership role here, but I'm still fighting for the for what I believe in, right? What I've dedicated a large portion of my life to, right? And I, I think that's got to be that's got to be something that we are pushing bef before the elections. Say, hey, anybody can run. Remember that we are we have the same mission, right? Mm -hmm. During the elections, hey, I know it's getting a little hot right now. It's, it's election season. We, we're picking our sides. We're picking our teams. But remember that at the end of the day, we are going for the same mission. And especially after the election, we are going the same, going for the same goal. Right. And I think that's something that has to be continuously uh, uh, pounded into the minds of our members and our leadership. I know that we um, one of the things that I try to do is, is create a, a, a mentoring ship within my own local. Uh, I'm trying to teach my stewards right now how to be able to take over my position, because it's not just whether or not I get elected or not. I may I may become sick. I may become incapacitated and I can't run the local the way it needs to be run. And I need that for my stewards and my executive board to be able to jump in and run with it and keep our local going. Because like Kenny said, it's all about the mission. It's not about me and me being president because I'm not going to be president forever. I know we have some presidents that are in there and they've been in there since time began, but a lot of it is only because no one runs against them, right? They just automatically flip over. Well, no one runs against them because people are so discouraged in that position and not understanding that position and not wanting to go up against them. So I have people right now that I am mentoring so that when the elections come, they can run for president or vice president or whatever they want to run from. If they win, that's because the people want that change. And we had to make changes ourselves when I ran, right? And it comes a time when change is necessary. So I'm looking forward to people running for positions and stepping into positions. But, you know, you also have to be able to train them. You have to be able to provide them and empower them and make sure that they know what they're doing and where they're going. So that's our job as union, older union members is to lay that pathway and make sure that they step in it the right way. I, I agree. The whole thing is if really at the end of the day is about the mission and the, your local, the work that you do for your local. And that's the bottom line. Um, who's running the ship. And if they were, is there's, if there's a change at the helm, transition, transition, transition is so important. It ain't personal. It is the work. And you don't have to be out. You you can still be in stewardship. And I think a lot of people don't understand that, that you may not have this so-called title, but you are always a steward. And that's important because to me, actually, stewards have more power than anyone in, in leadership. Because as Kenny said, a lot of these leadership positions are rented. Stewardship is forever. And once folks realize that, then they know where their power lies. You don't need a title. As long as you know the knowledge, you have the, you have the power. You don't need the title. And that's an, um, in reference to the whole AFGE um, conflict resolution program. I am honored that our local has, um, every year we do a retreat 
we bring all the stewards and all of the the e-board together and we spend three days together um and jeremy and octavia ever since we have been doing this have came to every single one of the retreats we've had every year to bring us all together and and give us that energy and power that we need to move forward last year we had adr because we did knew we had some inner workings not that we were mad at each other but we were just sometimes at a place where we just kept bumping heads happens in all families it was never personal it was really about the work so we all got together and we actually add adr at our resolute at our retreat and it was a beautiful thing because we left there stronger and more powerful because there was a third party there to give a voice to what we were talking about, to allow someone else to understand, to take that personalness out of it. So I'm a real big component for the conflict resolution program that um, that Women's Fair Practice has. It is a fabulous program. And it's not a negative thing. It's an empowering thing. When you as a local can admit there's something wrong here, this stuff ain't working out right, we're missing some things, that's power to realize that you can go and and you have a place to go and utilizing that space and that program to move forward so you can get on with this mission. Because when you're doing that internal fighting, that internal yakety-yak back and forth, the only people that get hurt are the people who are in your local because you're not getting the work done because you're fighting too much. You're fighting amongst yourselves instead of fighting management. That's yeah. just my opinion. I'm glad to know piggyback. that program exists. Yeah. I, I want to piggyback off of something that Tyra said uh, just a little bit earlier about that that education. If you have that education and being power, right? Because sometimes we folks are, I think that uh that when we say that, hey, we want to make sure that we we create these free and open elections without you know, you know, blackballing people and things like that, that we're just saying, hey, it's time for y'all to be replaced, right? I don't want to replace somebody who's who who might be more seasoned, right? An older person with a younger person just because that person's a younger person. That does not make any sense. And that's not necessarily a, a good thing for our for our union, right? That's why I said earlier, if you're young, right? If you're on if you're any if you're anybody, but it, it, particular advice to the young folks would say, hey, get your get educated. Right? Don't just you can there are popularity contests and that's it's a popular election, so you can try that route if you want to but when it comes to actually doing the work of the people right you gotta have that education right you don't want to get in there get into these positions and then just ruin your local because you're talking about real lives at stake right we don't want you pursuing power just for power right we want you to to be educated to know how how you can serve the members right go go uh try to get the train and then classes that we offer right go to the all of the online materials that we have there are there is a lot of content on afge's website that is there for you to learn how to become a better steward a better bargainer a better uh discrimination expert right engage that material don't just go for stuff just to go for it right get get acclimated with with being a a, a union leader Right. This is this is something I always like to stress It's just to make sure that we're not just replacing people to replace people. Right. We want to make sure that we have that that continuity of, of educational power. 
Right. And I think with that conflict resolution, um, I, I haven't had the need for it yet, but I will tell you, knowing that it's there makes a very big difference because when I do need it, I'll have somewhere to go because, you know, you don't always go to arbitration all the time, but it's nice to know when you go that you have that position and those people standing behind you when you have to do it. So I'm, I'm glad about the program. I'm really excited that it's working out for a lot of people. And um, I think there's a lot of tools within that program that can even be used at a, at a smaller scale of even a one-on-one conflict, you know, between a conflict between just two people and then that one third person being able to help them come to an understanding of why they're not, you know, making it together. So uh, I'm really glad to know that that program's there. All right. I thank you guys for those comments. And I'm going to ask if you have a final remark at this at this time. Try to keep it real quick. All right. <laughs> um, well, uh, thank you for uh, having me today. And thank you for taking the time to listen to the things that I had to say. Um, I have been you know, a president for a while and um, I've seen a lot of things and I do want really so much to reach out to our young people and, and make them feel at home with the rest of us in AFGE. You know, it only takes a minute to say hello to the people that you meet along the way when you go to the big conferences. Um, and, and I think that if we keep going in the direction that we're going to unify our local back to the strength that it was before, I think we'll be okay. So thank you. And I thank you because when I think of a bridge, I think of someone of seasoned on one side and someone with that young experience on the other side. And each plank is patience, understanding, and shared goals. And let's meet in the middle and get so I can understand what's going on and you can understand what's going on with me. And then we can walk together both sides because we have built a solid bridge to the middle so we can understand each other. So I appreciate this for y'all building this bridge and, and having this platform to meet in the middle. So I, I'll know which way to go on this bridge of mine. Thank you. Absolutely. And I'm going to say the quote of the day that came from Tyra, which is we got to say hello different. I love that. This is the bug campaign. This is bridging union gaps. We got to say hello different so that we can know more about each other and we can fight for each other in, in greater solidarity. So we, we got the same mission. We got the same love. We got to keep the love for each other. And I'm excited to see uh, how this podcast moves us forward and how our bug campaign continues to push uh, uh, out of young. Thank you. All right. Thank you guys again. So I'm going to give a, a thanks to our brother, Kendrick Roberson, the AFG National Young Committee Chairperson, Sister Rosalind Austin, the National Fair Practice Affirmative Action Coordinator for District 12, and Sister Tyra McClellan, uh, the National Women's Advisory Coordinator from District 14. And thank you all for listening to the AFG Young Podcast. New episodes are made available every two weeks and are streamed anywhere you listen to your podcasts. This podcast is a production of the AFGE National Young Committee Bug Bridging Union Gaps Initiative. To learn more about the AFGE Young Program, visit our website at www.afge.org young or our Facebook page by searching at young AFGE.